Hello, I'm horror cartoonist Dennis St. John. I draw monsters and write twisted tales. As you can imagine, I was a little obsessed with Buffy the Vampire Slayer. Lucky for me, so were most of my high school friends, all except one. One friend who stubbornly refused to join the Scoobies. So here we are, 20-some-odd years later. I'm teaming up with Doc Travis, John Teach Landis, and maybe a special guest or two. And we're going to make our friend, Michael Poli, watch one episode of Buffy Week until he's no longer the Buffy Virgin. Alright, welcome to Angel Virgin, a spoiler-free Angel the Series podcast that we do at the same time as Buffy Virgin, a spoiler-free Buffy the Vampire Slayer podcast. Uh, We're going to be reviewing... Season two, episodes 12 through 17 today, because when we found out uh, when we did uh, Angel season two, first half is sometimes uh, trying to review that many episodes at the same time gets a little confusing. So we're changing it up. I hope everybody's all right with that. Uh, And I'm your host, cartoonist Dennis St. John. Uh, Why don't the rest of you guys introduce yourselves in any order of your choosing? Oh, well, this is refreshing. Hello, my name is John. I'm a big Buffy and Angel fan and a constant podcast man. Hi, I'm Travis. I'm uh, not the Buffy virgin, so I guess I'll introduce myself next. Um, i a big Buffy and Angel fan, too. And hi, my name is Michael. I'm the virgin. I haven't seen uh, Buffy or Angel except up to almost half of uh, season two here or to episode 16. Awesome. 17. Jeez. Yeah, 17, my friend. Yes, this is episode 12 to 17. <laughs> uh, awesome. So we will jump right into Angel. Uh, and first, we're going to have reactions from uh, the first half of Angel's Angel Season 2. Audience reactions. Um, so Silver Spike quotes us and says, uh, these all seem like fun ide- uh, fun things to dig into. For you, maybe. Uh, so, zing on us from Silver Spike. <laughs> uh, Garant, uh, I think it's Garant, right? We no. we tackled your... No, it's it's uh, Garant. Garant. Sorry. He taught us how to say it, and then we all forgot. Sorry. It's been so long. <laughs> uh, Garant uh, says, um, best line, uh, while Spike's... Well, okay. While Spike was out killing a slayer, you were saving missionaries from me. Uh, that's a Darla line. Great Darla uh, line. It says uh, the Darla slash Fool for Love crossover boxer uh, crossover boxer scenes were directed by Tim Manier. Hmm. Um, so that's interesting. That kind of makes sense. Um, and uh, uh, Grant also asks um, the first half of Buffy uh, season five or Angel season two. Uh, which do you guys think is better? Which is a great question, and I think we'll probably divide the group. Uh, Mike, why don't you start? <laughs> Gosh, that's tough because some of the best episodes of uh, Buffy are in the first half of season five. Um, yeah, I mean, right now, Angel season two, though, is pretty fantastic. It's a, just a completely different show. Uh, I mean, better is a really unfair thing to say, but I guess that's the point of things like this podcast. Mm-hmm. So uh, like Angel season two is better. Period. Whoa, Angel season two is better. Wow. Uh, yeah. I'm going to say I think Buffy season five is better. I'll just throw that in there. I would, you know, this was the, the qualifier here was first half of Buffy season five. It wasn't yeah. the full oh, season. Yeah, yeah. It was half a season of Buffy versus an entire season of Angel in this. No, question. it's no, I think he means first half of both. 
and to Angel, the first half, that doesn't even get us to this these episode sequences we're in now, right? Yeah, this is what we reviewed last time. Yeah. Hmm. Then then Buffy. The Buffy might be better. I feel like Ooh. Angel really gets up steam here. Angel's first half of uh Angel season two, Angel's going crazy about Darla. Like he's slowly descending into like this hallucination, mad dream states. It's gotta be Angel season two, with Darla being the big bad. Yeah. No question. I don't know. I don't think we can overlook the uh, incredibly like ballsy move of introducing Dawn as this like yeah. shock to the audience. Like that's like television history kind of stuff. <laughs> I think the first half of Buffy season five is pretty amazing. And we just forget about, uh, you know, when we look at it through the micro lens that I think we tend to look at uh, these things through on the podcast. I think you forget like what an amazing accomplishment Buffy season five really is. Uh, but that said, this watch through, I'm definitely enjoying Angel more. Uh, for the same reasons that we've talked about over and over again on here, which is that like, there's nothing, there's no episodic television on TV anymore. And it's so refreshing to watch something that's truly episodic and lets you like enjoy an entire story in 40 minutes. Like I I'm enjoying that so, so much, uh, watching angel right now. Excellent. All right. Thank you for uh, that question. Uh, now let us move on to the summary for all these episodes provided by Michael right now. Quick, quick. The summary. Sure. So there's, we talked about episodes 12 through 17. So I'm just going to quickly summarize each of those episodes, and then we will get into uh, the rest of the the show here. So episode 12 was Blood Money. That's the episode where Anne runs a teen shelter. Or is it a dorm that needs money, and she doesn't care where that money comes from, even if it's covered in blood? And it literally will be. Episode 13, Happy Anniversary, with the help of demons, a physicist frees time so his girlfriend never breaks up with him. Demented. Episode 14, Thin Deadline, that's the one with zombie policemen who are out of control. Wesley gets shot and zombie cops take on a shelter, a teen shelter. (laughs) Episode 15, Reprise, Wolfram and Hart are expecting a supernatural review and Angel discovers that this reviewer has a magical ring that allows you to travel to hell. Well, or someplace like hell. And he turns out, it turns out that hell is here on Earth and humanity cannot be saved. So if you're Angel, you might as well sleep with Darla. And he does. And then episode 16, Epiphany, sleeping with Darla doesn't turn Angel into Angelus, thankfully. And Skalosh, demons use Cordelia's bait to get Angel investigates back together. Wasn't their goal, but that's what they did. And then episode 17, Disharmony, the gang is back. Harmony shows up, temporarily joins, and then fails to mention she's not a vampire and then uh, predict- predictably turns on Angel Investigates. Uh, and those are episode 12 through 17. Uh, Thank you, Mike. Uh, I, I believe it's called Angel Investigations, though. Just, oh, right? it's Angel Investigations? I like Investigates because it's, so ac- it's very active. <laughs> All right, uh, let's go to Great Lines. Great Lines. So uh, my great line is, uh, I think it's from, yeah, it's from Epiphany. Uh, Wesley, uh, Wesley Gunn and Angel are riding in the, uh, in the Chevy, and Wesley says to Gunn about Angel, apparently he has had an epiphany. Gunn says, what, you just wake up and bang, epiphany? And then Angel says, actually the other way around. And he's like, got this, <laughs> got this huge grin on his face. Like he's making the best joke in the world uh, and they don't care. <laughs> they don't care at yeah. all about him. 
Um, I really liked uh, David Boreanaz's delivery of the line when he, he's in the karaoke bar and he just turns to the Wolfram and Hart lawyers and goes, lawyers. <laughs> like, like they are the scum of the earth. <laughs> I enjoyed uh, Wesley's retort. Uh, My ass is not pansy. Uh, and then uh, it's, I'm going to put it in here, a worst line, uh, at least maybe worst delivery, uh, where the, the street tough kids are talking their street tough language. Hey, we're not talking about some street sweep the LAPD does every month to shut up the moms. OK, this is war and everyone's a target. And then the other guy says, she speaks true, G. <laughs> and uh, the delivery is just about as believably uh, street as uh, as I am here now today. <laughs> I live on a street. <laughs> uh, yeah, from Disharmony, uh, just I love the multi-level marketing vampire scheme. It's so simple, but so much fun. Uh, it's time to actualize your potential. Time to maximize your input, get the most out of your afterlife. To those who are new, I want to say hi, you're special. You have it in each of you to be the best vampire, not just any vampire, but a master. How I'll show you through my personally devised multi-level exponential flow cooperative. I know what some of you guys are saying, Doug, speak English, man. <laughs> hey, don't skate. Take me guys. All right. Here's how it works. <laughs> anyway, love it. I think that tone is, excellent. Uh, is just nailed. It's great. That's a good dramatic reading, Michael. I'm oh, glad thanks. you pulled that up because I definitely like watching that episode. I definitely thought of you and your, your dad, the whole like, it's like, this thing's up to you guys. <laughs> I, you know, some of the best stuff, unfortunately, has to be sold by these kinds of salesmen. I don't understand why. Anyway. <laughs> Just hidden behind the secret door. <laughs> All right. Uh, let's do questions. Questions for the group. From here on, we don't do our regular uh, weird trivia thing. We change it up so it's going to be questions, best worst episode, best worst monster, best worst celebrity cameo, best worst char uh, character look and work, best worst new character, and best zoom and enhance opportunity, and so on and so forth. Uh, so get ready for a change of pace. Let's start with questions. Oh, great. So I, I want to start out here with a question about Boone. How do people feel about Boone from Blood Money? Because that is an interesting villain. I he has this great backstory, and he's like tough, like Wolverine, freaking <laughs> revenge story. He's got these like weird, wiry, like kind of parts that kind of just appear when he needs to punch. He's very tough. There's totally this like Angel versus Boone. It feels like kind of saber tooth Wolverine, at least the way it's set up in this episode. Uh, how do people, does anybody remember Boone? <laughs> <laughs> I've, it's funny, but uh, I think Travis wrote him in as best worst monster, which made as best, which made me go, oh, I'll write him as worst just to be a dick. Um, but why don't you guys talk about why you like him? And then I will talk about why I don't like him. <laughs> I, I like the actor. I think the actor has a really strong delivery. Um, I'm not sure who it is. I couldn't. I know I've got some obscure actors that I bring up later. Um, I just liked his makeup. You know, everything, nothing was too over the top. Like it seemed, it, everything just seemed well done. His clothes, his, the way he was speaking, kind of the over the top pronunciation. Um, and he seemed like an interesting demon. Like he, he just, he seemed like he was running on his own, on his own, um, like code of honor. 
in kind of unrelated to the human world, as well as the lawyer world, as well as the demon world. I think I'm a little frustrated that no one, that at the end of that episode, that um, Anne wasn't like, thank you for this money that, you know, obviously is covered in some blood. Like my only problem with the, the Boone episode is that she's not like really that grateful that Angel shows up with the crap beat out of him. Um, but he seemed like a really good ad- adverse, a- adversary. Um, strong, but not a vampire. I don't know. He just, he seemed cool. Like I could definitely get into whatever he's been doing for the past hundred years. <laughs> he's probably settling other old scores. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, I think I didn't like him for the reasons you guys do like him is that to me, like Mike, especially calling out that he's like saber tooth to, to angels Wolverine. To me, he felt like I wasn't watching a demon anymore. I was watching like an image, a guy from like an image comic from the nineties or like from X-Force or something like he didn't seem to have like a coherent, like demon theme to me. It was like, he was just wearing some monster makeup that didn't like connect in a way. And then his power is like, like not an organic power. It's just like, I have steel cables wrapped around my hand. Like it, it reminded there's like those like later X-Men characters, like cannon fodder who's a like mutant ability is he has like gun hands you know it's like how is this a a thing <laughs> he just he he felt too like 90s extreme to me i guess i guess what i'm hearing you say is you don't like marvel comics and i'm not sure how i feel about that <laughs> I, I will agree he doesn't have a great demon backstory like there's nothing especially demony about him except he kind of looks like half human half demon and yeah, if they had, like, if, oh, he's got these scars on his cheek that they kind of mm-hmm. look like gills, but if they were actually gills, it would be dope. But yes. they're just like open wounds. I don't know. I just so, need like, yeah, I no, need I, it to, to be like another. It's like it's he's like a standard definition or something. I need like a focus on him to like clear him up. Yeah, right. Right now he's just too he's too generic and he doesn't quite have enough of a of a cool backstory. The actor himself, I think, puts on to me such a good performance. That's why I like the character because mm-hmm. of the actor. But yes, he doesn't have that that demony essence that's going to make you really interested in him long term. I totally you agree with that. You know what? They should have cast this actor as Thanos because like he's got that whole Josh Brolin yeah. vibe on this. Yeah, this character. It's good. It's got a great jaw. Like it. it he's got a good look. <laughs> And that scene with him and Merle, right? The like, that demon <laughs> yeah. that's just like constantly put upon is wonderful. <laughs> that scene's that great. That is good. I do. I really like Merle. He's such a, like, he does not want to be in this show or in this situation ever. <laughs> <laughs> uh, okay. I guess next question here. This is a tough one. So the demons in Happy Anniversary, they have the secret formula that they scribble on the board, like, the the scientist uh, physicist is like he's working on a formula it takes off takes a nap whatever the you know the demons like fill out the rest of the formula that he needs to stop time why do they need him to finish this formula why is it important that a human like stops time and then destroys the world for their prophecy to come true why can't they just do it because that's you know, not what the prophecy there. says the prophecy says it's yeah. this guy so they they're fatalists they you know they have to they know their part and they know his part. They just need a human to press the button though, because they know <laughs> the formula and he doesn't, you know? <laughs> I mean, I guess it must be gleeful on their side to trick a human into destroying the universe. <laughs> uh, must feel good. But what, oh gosh, I guess we'll get into this thing about the physicist in this episode. Cause it's just, that's so demented and it's its own problem. 
It is, yeah. Yeah, <laughs> I think we should get into that. Why this guy would be best friends with Warren. Oh. Um, I, I just have like a, a, a small question, which is really just a complaint, which is like the, uh, which is that uh, Drew and Darla go into the uh, demon like uh, beat up club and they say, oh, we want all of you to fight to find the best, strongest demon. And your reward for winning the fight against all the other demons is that you get to be our muscular slave is the phrase they use. <laughs> like, it's hard to imagine a demon that's so dumb that he's going to fight for the privilege of being a slave. And like that, that's what it actually says on the tin. Like that's actually what they're, what the stated goal of this, uh, this, this, uh, brawl is going to be. Just, I didn't really understand how that would have worked. John, you're not the target audience, my friend. Uh, it's <laughs> <laughs> Listen, at least I'll tell I'll say this, that phrasing that does just does not age well. Like it, it's not a great thing to be saying on TV to look. I mean, it's it's kind of a like an oh my god, I can't believe they said that. But um, you know, Darla's old school. You know, yeah. At least yes. she's colonial, despite her completely normal American accent. Yes, she is. <laughs> she is a European, and we can blame the Europeans for a lot of problems. But uh, I, 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 I mean, from the demon point of view, I mean, first off, remember how many dumb ass vampires we've seen that don't have two neurons <laughs> but the other you know they're like our servant you know the, i think the demon world is pretty vast but i think there's all different kinds of personalities so i can definitely see where some demons would be into that um and then of course you know darla's like my you know this this my demon monster that i'm obsessed with so um yeah i i think it's so it's what a you're saying phrase. is like under normal conditions you would not be into slavery but <laughs> if Darla offered you slavery, you'd be like, ah, maybe. I'm saying it as if I was in a vulnerable place in my life, and, <laughs> you know, and I'm on the ropes and life is looking pretty weird. I might sign up to work for Darla. All right, Noted. Man. You do you. Yeah. Uh, and let's go into best and worst episodes. Okay. I think I really liked um, The Thin Deadline or Disharmony as my best episodes. And I thought the worst was Reprise. And we can probably say all of it ourselves and then get into them. That way it's a little more. Because I think a couple of us said Thin, de thin Deadline was the best. Oh, yeah. Okay. Uh, so I did the same thing. I said Thin Deadline for the best. And I said Happy Anniversary for the worst. Yeah, and I... I I uh, think Disharmony was the best episode. Really enjoyed that one. And then the worst, uh, Happy Anniversary. Uh, out of this fairly narrow selection of episodes that we're doing, uh, I said that Disharmony was my best and my worst, although there's a lot, I think it's, it's a fascinating episode. There's a lot to talk about is Thin Deadline. Mm -hmm. All right, so let, let's talk about Thin Deadline. Yeah. Yeah. So, um Wow. Why is it good? Um, for me? Yeah, why? Why <laughs> is it good? For me, it's, it fulfills a lot. It, it fills a lot of my triggers. Number one, it's super quirky. Number two, it's almost like a buddy. Like it's like a buddy monster episode where like teams pair up and there's like a buddy, buddy element between Cordelia and Anne and then Gunn and his like his friends. Um, 
Angel's kind of doing his totally separate thing, and yet it's like a fun way for the plots to intersect so that like it has that satisfying payoff for me. And a fourth, of course, is like, it's insane. Like Wesley gets shot. <laughs> like the whole last half of that episode is totally crazy. And it also drives Mike crazy because it's it's like a dorm room. Like, oh, it, yeah. <laughs> so what is this teen shelter? That should have been questions. What the heck is going on with the teen shelter that Anne runs? Because it feels like a dormitory. And it seems like nobody who watched this, who wrote this show, has ever worked for a nonprofit. They just imagined one. Yeah, right? I like, think you're I think you're totally right there. <laughs> for the for the listeners, I had to listen to Mike for 45 minutes talk about nonprofits and how that this is not a realistic <laughs> portrayal of a nonprofit. First of all, it's run by a real young girl who's like broken and lost and ha- apparently has access to these amazing fundraisers and, and like, who we know for a fact was herself homeless just a couple years ago. Like it wasn't that yeah. long ago, and now she's running the whole show. I mean, it's, hey, it could be an inspiring know, story. It could she was inspired true, by her new name, Anne. She took some <laughs> of that straight. Um, I like I, I like this episode partially because, like, um, I do like that it's an anti-police episode, and I'm sure that's why right. part of the police brutality thing is probably why it was listed by John as worst. Um, right, you did that, yeah. Yeah, uh, but I, I don't know. I like it because it's like after the police, and um, I like at the end when. Kate is like, well, I, well, like, you know, crime has really gone down in the neighborhood. I hope you can live with that. And that angel's like, yeah, I can. <laughs> Cause like, to me, that's like, Kate, you used to be on our side, but fuck you. If you like really think that the city was better with zombie policemen. Um, and I also really like, um, Wes in that episode. I love like Wes's confidence that he can like defend gun against the cops and then he's like just confident that he's not going to get shot and then he pays the price for that um and also there is a shot in that when they're in the when they're under siege and it's like full-on like night of the living dead and like they sh- shoot to west and he's not moving and his eyes are open and he looks dead but i guess he's just taking a little eye nap uh, <laughs> he looks like he died that episode uh, well, it's crazy. Like they get the paramedic, they get, they get in the ambulance and instead of driving to a hospital, they drive back to the shelter and like the paramedic that's alive is totally cool with it. And it's like zero questions. <laughs> the guy has the paramedic has zero questions about what's going on. Not for a second. Is he like, you know what? This is really effed up. We need to get to the hospital and maybe call some different cops. No, let's not go to a hospital. That's not where we take gunshot <laughs> victims. Let's take them back to the shelter. Let's Peter Pan this. Like, it, it feels like a very moment. Like, it's just, oh, it's so crazy. What That's what drove me you crazy. You just said, to, let's Peter Pan this. It's Peter Pan this. Well, you know, like, I mean, Peter, in the sense that it's like a, a gang and then they're they're fighting some, some like, some big group, but it, I don't oh, know. Oh, yeah, really no, look. totally, totally. Oh, this teen shelter like, definitely needs a Rufio, I think. They're lost oh, boys, yeah. I get it. Okay. <laughs> yeah. I didn't understand that either, Trav. I was like, sorry, sorry. They stop time? <laughs> oh, no, no, no. <laughs> Let's stop aging. Bang a ring. That's what it means. <laughs> Let's get the crew together and fight these. Let's get the teens to fight but the it's, cops. But it's, it was like this almost crazy, like, it, it shows that. You know, we, we're often very critical of the show that was from 1998, 1999, 2000, right? With with like social movement, social justice. And, you know, we were really critical of, of certain things. But, you know, unwillingly, like, I mean, but it shows like how how real police brutality and, uh, and, and Black Lives Matter was. I mean, this is like, 
this wasn't, they weren't even trying to, to have a, to me, it doesn't seem like they're trying to socially say anything. This just simply happened, you know, like that, that, that minorities were, that they felt not treated the same as, as, uh, as, uh, white people were. Yeah. Like it's, it's, it's like, it's like, I think the point that the episode made at the end through Kate's like blindness is like real crime didn't actually go down during this police siege. Like nothing act like she thinks crime went down, but it really didn't like nothing changed except for police, the, you know, except for the police killing people like, and they stopped reporting, like stopped calling the police and stopped reporting crimes like that to me is my interpretation of the end of this episode is like, Oh, that's interesting. I, I didn't take it the end of the episode that way at all. I, um, I, I took it a much different way, which is that they, they give voice to the notion that uh, that there's a balance to be had somewhere between, uh, you know, holding back crime and then over policing that somehow uh, that they, they like they, a nice medium policing. Yeah, they sort of give voice. Well, they sort of give voice to the to that to that critique and sort of leave you as the audience with this sort of sense of like, well, we can't. You know, we have to accept a certain amount of brutality in order to stop yeah. crime, which, which is what, the, I, what, what I, I was interpret left with. is like there's really no middle ground because the police aren't actually interested in on a fundamental level in community building. They're only right. interested in enforcement. Yeah. And that really comes through in the episode, I think, you know, and mm-hmm. I, I, I have a lot of this I want to talk about in my rant. But um, oh, yeah, I, excellent. I definitely think that this is an episode that uh, wants to take on a social issue. But um it where the reason it's my my worst episode is and I do think it's a really, really interesting failure, but like it just feels so awkward and heavy handed the way that they want to address these issues. And it, it doesn't feel like although I, I don't actually have anything to back this up, it doesn't feel like the writers uh, know of where they speak. It feels yeah. like this is about what would happen if I tried to write this. <laughs> I uh, guess I guess I'm more on Travis's side of like um, in this incidence of like I'd rather see a messy failure. Than- yeah a completely perfect like middle ground thing, you know? Yeah. I, I, and I think we're in, I think we're, we're in agreement about that. I think it's my worst episode because it's a failure, but I agree that it's a really fascinating and cool failure and I'm glad they tried. Yeah. But yeah, I mean, definitely have some actual black people writing it and stuff instead of what they did, but <laughs> you know, Gosh, live and learn. I, I, would, I, I would, feel like I'd be convinced of this, this like the value of this episode in a really interesting way that I wasn't. I mean, this this kind of theory of policing that's operating in this episode's really effed up. It is. <laughs> what I what I would love to have known is if, um, and this may never, this may not have happened, but I would have loved to have seen like um, uh, like the notes, the actors, if they were allowed to give notes on any of these scenes for any of the um, the actors of color, right? Like I would love to have seen if they had any influence in changing the dialogue at all to what it, what it is now. Like that would be, that would have been amazing. Cause you know, it probably was written, but we know we can actually find out who wrote it, but you know, not every time an actor is allowed to give notes about like the dialogue, but it would be interesting if they did. Yeah. Right. Cause I'm, I'm just wondering if they, if they would have changed anything to make it, you know, if you're a, you know, a minority actor at this time, even if you lived in LA and you were on TV, you bet that you were probably racially profiled and like, I bet the minor, you know, I, I think that would have been cool. I mean, I would love to know. It's also, I, I also want to shout out to just the title of the episode. Cause like 
you know, thin dead rhyme, line, dead r- rhymes with red, but thin red line is about war. The thin blue line is about cops, but blue doesn't rhyme with anything zombie related, you know? <laughs> <laughs> and I thought this would have been um, triggering some of Dennis's like zombie related, like, like <laughs> fantasies. Cause we don't get a lot of zombie ones. We got one zombie episode on, on Buffy and it was a, uh, Hey, that zombie episode on Buffy. Fantastic, aka the Zeppo. For those of you keeping count at home, oh, I thought you meant Dead Man's Party. I thought you were going to well, say, okay, yeah, Dead Man's Party too, or the episode after the body as like a what's that called? Forever. Yeah, yeah, there's a, yeah, both the zombie. Yeah, so two two zombie episodes on Buffy, one here, and they're both to me kind of knockouts for different reasons. Um, oh, disharmony. That's another best one. Such a phenomenal episode. It has such weird, interesting stuff because Harmony's already a fun character. She kind of, uh, she took off. She's gone for a bit. Her life's in a tailspin. Um, and she runs into Cordelia. And there's this whole weirdness about, is she a vampire or is she a lesbian? And like, Cordy's like... Deeply homophobic. Kinda, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> problematic. Uh, it, it's, it's deeply problematic. Well, they play it for comedy in a way that you... I think people probably still play, could still play this style thing for comedy, but they probably don't anymore. Yeah. Oh, just her whole thing of like, I shouldn't have even invited her into my house. Like when she's saying that, cause Har- cause she thinks Harmony is gay. That is fucked up. <laughs> uh, wow. Sorry. Did she really say that? Did she really say yeah, that? I shouldn't is, have invited yeah, her into my house. Cause you think it's talking about inviting a vampire. In, right. But... <laughs> oh, I didn't it's quite weird, catch but... that that was the, Oh, that's, yeah. that's fucked up. Cordelia. But, now, admittedly, she, she did wake up and Harmony was in her bedroom, like almost on top of her. But still, it is shades of homophobia that's not kosher. Yeah. Oh, and also yeah. that whole thing of like, like that plays into like the aggressive gay fear thing. That's like, like, oh, I would, like gay people are always going to try to like they're very sex aggressive. me. They're saying they're going to be sexually aggressive to straight people. Yeah. You know, that's a huge myth, obviously. Well, it certainly felt surreal watching those seg- that segment, uh, but I did laugh a lot. So maybe I'm I'm broken. No, I just, like, th- that's such a like small part of this episode. Yeah. So I'm sorry to like. Oh no! But the, this predatory uh, predatory harmony character. Of course, we all know he's, she's a vampire, so we're in on the joke. So it, they do play it out a little bit bigger than you would like. Than strong is probably than is comfortable, or that even makes sense. But harmony on the F is great, and then she's she's such a weird flippant character where she like wants an identity so bad, but like is willing to give in to whatever's the most interesting identity at the time. Yeah. And like that last sequence, you know, with the uh, multi-level pyramid scheme, right. And her like kind of flipping sides. I just love that because it's such this, like she's clearly untrustworthy from the beginning. And then just, they play out the character the way the character would work out. And like, that's just, that's a beautiful (laughs) beautiful episode to focus on her uh for, with and like it gives her some really interesting material to like play with and i, I don't know that, that that sequence is awesome that's like the best harmony sequence yeah i like that like, it really defines like what harmony's strong character trait is throughout all of buffy and now angel is like really she's a born minion like <laughs> <laughs> everything she tries else to do is like not like because she's she was you know uh, Cordelia's sidekick in high school and then she likes her trying to go out on her own is like not her strong suit she's a minion I'll admit I wish I almost wish she didn't betray them at the end I mean it's, it makes a very great very great episode but it, 
for a, it kind of like kind of her, her character doesn't quite have that as much depth if she's such an easy minion. Like there's not much more you write home about um, Harmony after this episode. So in that sense, I don't necessarily like the ending where she flips, but it, it, it obviously was very funny. I, I, of course, like during the episode where um, she's chewing the bubble gum and it's driving Wesley mad. And then like she like grips a page out of his head of his old book. And, you know, then he's like just skirts screaming about this is a 13th century manuscript. And he's like grabs a stake and he's trying to stake her <laughs> and they're holding it back. Like Wesley freaking out and trying to kill Harmony is the best like two minutes of that episode. And there's also jokes about drinking pig's blood and everything mixed in. Like that five minute scene at Angel Investigations is <laughs> just beautiful. Just beautiful. That is some solid stuff. I also like, like it's at right at the, the episode airs right at the end of this long, like dark angel arc. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And then like to have this like nice break of an episode. Yeah. Um, is, it's, is it's a great really palate nice. cleanser. Yeah. I just, I wish Harmony had gotten uh, some more depth. Like she's not, I don't know, but I, I could see different ways to take it. It obviously worked what they did, but um but Mike, now now can you see why we were always obsessing about harmony? I mean, like we were always obsessing about harmony. But could you could you have even imagined that she was going to have an, an episode on Angel? Well, it doesn't make sense. I think like Dennis even said she's a minion, so like it doesn't make sense for her to have this kind of prominent role in the show. Yeah, I mean, it's because the actress is so Mercedes McNabb is so yeah. funny. Like that's yeah. why this character continues, right? I mean, it's when do you? I mean, playing a dumb character like she pulls off is like literally the hardest thing to do well and she's able to play this kind of dumb ditzy character brilliantly and so of course they're going to keep doing stuff with it because like dumb is the hard if you could play a dumb guy well or a girl like you're you, you're you've got it well done will ferrell like that's it yeah uh, she's great Chris Pratt, I wish she was go back more to play stuff. dumb guys i wish she was in more stuff because i don't think did she ever star in a film or anything uh she's in hatchet one uh, she is Wednesday's nemesis in Ab's Family Values as a kid. Uh, she's really not in enough stuff. Yeah. Uh, do you guys want to talk about happy anniversary? Mm-hmm. Yes, let's. <laughs> Here's why I don't like the episode. That the sci-fi tech is like so out there for Angel. Um, that dude <laughs> is awful and the episode doesn't acknowledge it enough. Yes, that's yeah. the problem. And also his girlfriend and his like sidekick are Daphne and Velma to this terrible yes. degree. Yes. The Velma is the worst of this episode. So obnoxious. Cut that character out. That's my pitch about why this is a bad episode. Ah, just the, the physicist taking revenge is so fucked up. So <laughs> the physicist character finds out that his girlfriend is going to break up with him, but because she's, incapable of just breaking up with him straight away because she's nice. She's going to have dinner with him and sleep with him and then break up with him after right. she has sex with him. And she states that explicitly with a friend who's like, hmm, Oh, well, <laughs> like just it's this, this girl talk is amazing. It's like, well, it is the worst. The worst of it is, is that like this guy, I mean, this guy's an awful monster. Clearly like he's going to freeze. Like he, like he's going to freeze himself and his girlfriend in this moment of it's not explicitly stated, but like the moment of his orgasm mm-hmm. forever, which is like some kind of horrible hell for her, obviously. Right. Cause she's like, it's called, yeah, you know, cause she's, 
he knowingly like over your hearing this, he knows she's going to have sex with him out of pity or something, yeah. not out of genuine desire. And he's like, and then he the accidentally because of the interference of demons, this spills over and it's going to freeze the whole world. And at the end of the episode, he's like, oh, geez, I had no idea I was going to trap the entire world in this. I'm sorry. And then uh, they have a beer with him and it's fine. Like Angel literally has a beer with him at the end. It's yeah. fucked up. I don't understand why he's like, because he's probably worse than a lot of the monsters that Angel kills. <laughs> the thing I like about this episode, though, is just the host and Angel hanging out. Yes. That's solid. Yeah. But uh, yeah, I agree. Like this guy needed punishment, not. I don't know. It's just weird. Like, because it's from the Angel point of view, it's about Angel being able to like connect with humanity again. So it's like part of his like path back from Dark Angel. But like it's wasted on this dude. It should have been somebody who actually feels like shame for what they did or guilt or yeah. some shit. Yeah. This, it, this, this show is full of so many morally ambiguous characters. This just isn't one of them. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I feel like if this character was on Buffy, he'd be Warren and he'd be awful, yeah. you know? Yeah. I mean, he's basically doing a different version of freezing him and his girlfriend in carbonite. Forever. I mean, he's like Darth. He's like a nerdy Darth Vader. And it's like, it's, imagine like Luke having a beer with Darth Vader at the end of Empire Strikes Back. Right. It's yeah. like, well, that I mean, that is his goal through return. Right. I just want to have a chill moment with my dad. Oh also, my Darth Vader is nerdy Darth Vader. Remember the sand speech? <laughs> Wait, what's sand speech? Sand. <laughs> Wait, that's great, remember. Anakin. But we were not talking about sand at all. <laughs> oh okay. Um yeah, I'm 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 100% on happy anniversary. Like I'm also not crazy about the actor they got to play. Um this guy? Yeah, we should give him a name. What's his name or he's and just it's not his physicist. Fault. He looks so 90s. I mean, he's got his look down. Like it is 90s. That his girlfriend looks very Amy Adams-esque, which is deeply confusing at times. Um but he looks so 90s. Oh, my God. Uh, Dr. Gene Rainey is the character's name. Dr. Gene. Uh, do you want to do a... Uh, Trav, why do you think worse, oh. uh, uh, reprise is the worst? Why am I not crazy about reprise? I'm not super... Oh, well, go ahead. Oh, yes. <laughs> tell, you, tell you why you hate it. <laughs> I think reprise just doesn't have a whole lot going on. Like the, the breakdown that the world is evil and the world that Wolfram Hart exists not because of evil or and not because of the world, but in, or that good things exist in spite of evil, not because of it or whatever, however they phrase it. It just doesn't say a whole lot to me exactly. And then um, it kind of it kind of wastes like a big like I don't feel the emotional impact of the home office being our dimension. So I just, I don't get that emotional payoff. I like everything else. I like Angel sleeping with Darla. I think that's interesting. But then the fight between the demon, um, the big evil um, demon and Angel is over so quickly. One punch. He yeah. one punches him. Darla's the best part of that. Darla and Angel, like Darla stabbing Angel's great. Um, her, the speech between Darla and um, uh, uh, Lindsay at the end like when he's like, well, how'd you get this? Where'd you get this? Um, you know, that's really good. But like the actual act of the demon 
and what the consequence of this being the home office, et cetera, just didn't have for me the payoff, although it had some good elements to it. Yeah. Um, I always like, so this will tell you how I'm way more of like a Buffy rewatcher than an angel rewatcher. Before we did this, I've always in my head thought elements of this episode happened at the end of season one. It feels like a season. It feels like mm-hmm. such a season finale. I always thought it was a season part of the season one finale, but it's not. Um, and re- rewatching it this time, I was like, what was Darla's plan? Like, was she planning on killing <laughs> the uh the demon also or and going to hell like i don't understand what her or did she just want the jewelry what was what was her (laughs) idea if like angel didn't show up i didn't get it um also like i don't know like i like the metaphor of the like elevator and like oh human is like earth is really hell but like we know for a fact that isn't true because we yeah. know there's other dimensions <laughs> and we know like we know there's an actual this guy hell because Angel's from been another dimension. Like <laughs> so it's just like like what was it, I guess, you know? Yeah, like if if this is the home office, why did that guy have to come from a different dimension? Yeah. Whereas the rest of the series take place in this other dimension that looks like our dimension and Angel just doesn't know. It's like Rick and Morty. <laughs> Because Angel's actually been to hell, right? Yeah. yeah. He's been to a few. Oh, God. Um, so it just feels like it's like more of a, like the concept works in a vacuum, but not within the show we are, we've are we been watching and this Buffy verse we've been watching for five years, you know? Um. <laughs> yeah, it is hilariously off. But I, I love the concept of this ring that's going to take you to hell or whatever. Like, that that's what they're going to remove and the setup for it. And, like, going to get this weird old glove and, like... Yeah, I like that this. it's a gauntlet and it's, like, part of this whole thing I keep pitch, keep mentioning of, like, this, like, Arthurian version of, mm-hmm. of Angel yeah. that's running around, right? Like That's nice. <laughs> like, I could definitely dig deep into, like, like some Arthurian Angel fan fiction. Yeah. I don't think you have to take. I think there, it's there. It's here. And the thing of like, um, just the the nice thing from the beginning of the episode where we saw the book deal, the bookseller in his like late th- or his early thirties or whatever, and then we see him again in his sixties. You know, I think that's neat. And it's like really casual. You know, but it is a bit sad. They have this amazing setup, and then they have just like Earth is Earth is hell. <laughs> like a twilight zone. I, I like what you said in the void of this, uh, this world, because they've already set up this stuff and to, they are just it, they're essentially playing a trick on the viewer and on angel. And then he just disposes the ring. Like it's meaningless, which is yeah. again, another amazing ring power lost. And he ju- <laughs> just drops that gauntlet, right? That's yeah. a like powerful puncher. You should, you should hold on to that thing. Yeah. I bet you could use it again. It's not no ring of Amara, of course. It's not like walking around in daylight, but whatever this does this ring have a name? This like powerful ring? No, I don't think it does. This dimensional know. traveling ring for the anyway. It's so lame. Uh, yeah, and then that sex scene is crazy. Uh can we do we have a section to talk about that sex scene? <laughs> where uh <laughs> Angel doesn't come in jealous, but also like has that weird turn where it's like not gonna have sex with Darla, totally having sex with Darla, and like this world doesn't matter because it can't be saved moment that like is super 
super insane. Super dark. It's, it's like the ultimate despair moment for Angel. And then he comes out of it the other side and has his empathy restored from... Uh, so when he has sex with Buffy, that's like the best ever. That's yes. literally... That, that makes Angelus happen, right? Because he has a moment of pure happiness. And then having sex with Darla is literally the worst. And it's the opposite <laughs> of happiness. He gets like extra soul put back in. <laughs> it's, it's, it's like, He's just not have, in love just, with her. He's not in love with her. You have the most shameful sex of your life. And by the way, sex, it looks rapey. And then she sort of likes it. And like, yeah. you have the most shameful sex. And then you actually become a good person the next day. I mean, if you yeah. think about it from Darla's point of view, like she likes Angelus. And Angel is like you know, the monster to her. And so it's like the monster had sex with her, right? That she like <laughs> you guys did it are, for Angelus and then You guys you guys are bearing the lead. Whenever Angel has sex, he's able to to make the make it rain. You guys that <laughs> Angel Angel controls some meteorological phenomenon with with his uh with his penis. Thunderstorms, yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's true. That's not very Arthurian. What if is there's that? a drought, you get you summon Angel and let him have sex with someone in your town, right? <laughs> let him? <laughs> well, I mean, instead of like sacrificing a fair maiden, you 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 get Angel to show up or Angelus. Wow, this sounds biblical right now. Isn't that crazy? He's got this meteorological control of the weather. Like he's a I super. He's like a that. Superman villain. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. He brings the thunder. Uh, all right. Uh, do you want to move on to best worst monsters? Uh, Travis, uh, you've already mentioned Boone, but yep. you want to? Um, I wasn't a huge fan of Doug just because it was such a weak monster. I mean, I like the attitude, but it's like that guy was all bark and no bite. <laughs> I like that. Um, you know, he's got this cult of like hundreds of members, uh, like a hundred members at least now. And they surround Angel Investigates, as Mike calls it. And <laughs> they like le like legit could kill, but but the fact but the moment that like Angel starts fighting back, half of the like half of the group just runs away. Like if they just had more organization, they could have <laughs> defeated Angel and really made a name for themselves. Uh, at least I think Doug does recognize Angel. That like aren't they like, oh you'd get yeah. made if you went in there, but then like Doug kind of recognizes yeah, like him. The famous vampire with a soul or whatever. Yeah. yeah. I like Doug just because he's a maniac. <laughs> uh, my favorite uh, monster is the Tordo demon that uh, in Happy Anniversary, uh, uh, the host mentions. And then we see a shot of it. He's a karaoke demon that mm. um, I put a picture of him down at the bottom of the docks. He looks like kind of a classic demon. And then he's got a, a head growing out with like um, a Three Stooges haircut, like a Mo haircut uh, growing from his <laughs> he's chest. Got a yeah, he looks like Quato. <laughs> he's just an excellent looking little like, and it's just so he could be singing duets. Um, I just think he's a, a real charmer of a monster. Um, and if you look at the top of his normal head, I am pretty sure that's the same um, head as Moloch the Corrupter. So I think they took that uh, uh, head and put it on a new guy. And called it um, a Tordo demon, which makes me wonder: Is like we know Moloch, but we didn't know what type of demon he is. Is yeah. he a uh, Tordo? Maybe he has a, a Quato. Yeah, maybe and he does. Does he have a robot Quato, and he's in his <laughs> robot form? <Is> it, <laughs> uh, uh, uh. 
That would have been a great little uh, addition. <laughs> um, I just think it was a really cool looking demon. Uh, and it's just one of those things where it's like there and gone in a second. Um, uh, let's see. Oh, the Skilosh demons I also liked from Epiphany and Repies. Uh, they got, they're the ones with the eyes on the back of their head. Uh, I thought that looked uh, good. I've already talked about why I don't like Boone. Um, I say honorable mention to the senior partner for being a Nazgul. Um, and I also, I don't know if they're good or bad, but those old timey preacher demons from happy anniversary, uh, they're odd and they, they kind of remind me of the ghouls in uh, carnival of souls. They've got like permanent sad face. I don't know. I don't know if they're good or bad. Honestly, they're, they're weird. Why would you be like a Mennonite, but also know like all this, like time travel tech. It's weird. Uh, I don't really have a best or worst monster because I think I think it's been covered. But uh, I, I want to say my best and worst monster is Dr. Gene Rainey because I just want to be on record as he's a monster. <laughs> he's a total monster. Uh, yeah, for my best, I, I just really love Cordelia with that eye in her head makeup. That Skalosh uh, demon. Is it Sk- Are we saying Skylosh? What are we saying? Skilosh. Skilosh. Um, and it's rare to get a demon you can take out with a shotgun <laughs> in like a really satisfying way. Cause like yeah. when they rescue Cordelia and then just start, well, they're trying to find her angel and Wesley kind of working together. That is just like this awesome sequence of just total vengeance. And like, it's, it's rare that they like don't cut away or just like, you know, find some other trick for showing that stuff, but they really get into those demons and it's, that's a, that's fun. Also um, like, can we shout out that Cordelia got um, pregnant again? This is a oh, thing yes. that is happening on this show. <laughs> <laughs> I have Cordelia to say, like the imagery when when Cordelia is being impregnated with the ski lash demon is truly terrifying. Like, yeah, it is. It is really. I forgot brutal. about that. I think I yeah. repressed it. That like, is really rough. There is. <clears throat> there's no ambiguity what they're trying to represent with that. And then, yeah, worst. I guess. Yeah, I'll I'll plus one on Doctor Gene. You know. All right, uh, we got through that segment relatively quickly. Uh, let's go to uh, best and worst celebrity cameo. Yay! Okay, I'll go first. Um, so in oh, do we is is Dead Hand not part of the? Um, oh, we're not doing the Dead Hand episode as part of this. Okay, it's next week. Next week. Next Earth. next next episode. Okay, I don't have one then. So <laughs> we'll, we'll have to save mine for next part three. All right. Uh, I called out, uh, not really a celebrity, but David Fury uh, as the goat sacrificer in Reprise. Uh, he's uh, one of the writers for both Buffy and Angel. And uh, kind of a spoiler, look for more David F- Fury cameos in the future in both Buffy and Angel. All right. All right. Uh, Mike, does that shrug mean you don't have one? I, I, don't, I didn't feel like, the, I didn't really connect with any of the celebrity characters. Um, or maybe I just didn't notice too many celebrities beyond, you know, the cast here. So no, nothing jumped yeah. out of me in this sequence. All right, let's do uh, our perhaps most ill-defined category, but one of our more <laughs> interesting ones. Best worst character look slash work. <laughs> um, so I think the uncredited paramedic in Thin Deadline is my best um, because like he's able to to like show concern and like try try to look professional while completely going along with like an absolute bananas plan <laughs> of like what the what you should do and yet still like 
like that guy witnessed his partner murdered as well. Like we forget that there's a paramedic. There's two of them. One guy gets out of the ambulance and is like immediately murdered. And like this guy's mind must be racing, like going a thousand miles a minute. And so he's just agreeing to whatever plans come up. And uh, so I loved him being in Thin Deadline. And then um, oh, I liked how Lila Morgan, honorable mention to Lila Morgan for being concerned about her life for the first time on the show and having some real relatable job insecurities. But like, of course, her job insecurities are over the top because she works for Wolf Woman Heart. Yeah. But like just that concept and just how like crazy Lindsay is. He has zero like I mean, Lindsay's like a madman. He has like zero <laughs> concerns for his life, zero <laughs> jobs and securities. Like that guy is like, he's like ready to die at any moment. And like, that's really unrelatable. But Lila Morgan is like very relatable. Uh, speaking of Lindsay, I don't know. This is another thing where I'm like, I don't know if this is best or worst, but his jealous redneck boyfriend look with his like a hundred year old truck. And like, he's like just insane. Uh, yeah, what is the story there? Like he's, <laughs> he's had his like, you know, his fancy like, uh, you know, thousand dollar suits and stuff and his fancy car. But he's just, he's just been saving the like villain from a Dixie Chicks song like yeah. starter I mean, this is, it's, I think it's something that, like this is who he really is. Yeah, you know? this is, this but is it's he, like this is such also uh, only in California thing that people are still driving around in trucks like that. Like it's real. Like I. Oh, is it? Yeah. I mean, it's I have real. a. I, I worked for a contractor for a little bit who drove around in one of these trucks and like, it was like, it's a death trap. It's frightening to be in them, <laughs> <laughs> but it's such a, like, it's such a, cause California is so temperate that like, basically you can always keep a car running, you know? Right. <laughs> uh, but yeah, it's such a crazy, like, like, and it's, I like that it's just purely based on the jealousy of him having sex, of Angel having had sex with Darla. Like, that's all that motivates it. Every other motivation, like, like it all motivates him plans. owning an entirely different car. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that sequence adds so, it's such horrifically for Lindsay, too, because he get his, gets his hand smashed and <laughs> Angel steals his car. <laughs> uh, it's like, like the range is so high. It, it's kind of like any enemy AI turned up to 10, you know, <laughs> just like insane rage. Um, I also like uh, honorable mentions to uh, in the camcorder when the mm -hmm. camcorder gets played. Uh, Wesley's bizarre sexy dance. It's just, you know, uh, Alexis <laughs> Denisoff is a funny man and yeah. he can do a very weird sexy dance that is for some reason very focused on his thighs, which maybe Wesley <laughs> think are his like best feature <laughs> uh, I guess there's no way to talk about the sequence except within this weird segment so Angel Investigations without Angel just enjoying Steel Reserve and talking about stuff they fought recently is like that's a great scene in Blood Money and they're just hanging on the couch strangely drinking Steel Reserve which is like not like that's like a malt liquory beer yeah. it's a weird choice uh, but it's just like it's just a fun scene that makes me realize that I just like watching friendships forming on shows mm -hmm. and Joss Whedon does such a good job of capturing friendships forming mm. uh, and I that sequence just made me smile um, and I was in for whatever else afterwards even though Blood Money is a terrible episode do you think um, in Blood Money that Anne should have recognized Angel or not 
because she's met Angel in the Sunfire Club or a- Sunset apparently Club. Anne's a whole different person though. Like, like just her demeanor, the way that the the way the actress is portraying the character is like it's a totally different character. She's been through changes, man. Yeah, I, Although, I, I mean, I she's only met it. Angel once, so I think that's totally understandable to not yeah, recognize this it. guy you met. Like, yeah, but not on a TV show. <laughs> like, it's a weird inconsistency. I j- I was just at a comic convention and I struggled to recognize people I have known for years, you know, but like you don't see them for a couple of years, although humans change and Angel doesn't. But like, <laughs> you also, know, and I like long to be a vampire, right? Like she's been through the whole Jones of planning to become a vampire and then failing for different reasons. Right. Mm-hmm. Like and this is a vampire. Like I think an angel might be famous, right? Like. She know. definitely recognizes he's a vampire, right? It it doesn't bother me that much. It doesn't change the episode too much, or like make it better or worse. I, I just that episode's weird and bad for other reasons. I think the whole nonprofit problems like just really blow up for me in that episode. And then they continue, of course, in Thin Deadline. But like the how does this nonprofit function? What is its goal? What is its purpose? How is this fundraiser, this huge fundraiser happening with all these celebrities? <laughs> like what? And then Wolfram and Hart, their whole goal is to like have a fake fundraiser and then steal the money. Like that's stupid. <laughs> and it seems like this is a, you know. Why not just steal money? Why not why have this fucking fake benevolent charitable foundation? Yeah. And why is like, this Lindsay and Lila's deal? Like they, aren't they focused on like, angel and on like other crazy shit why are they like doing this like just stealing two million dollars plan you know i i, I agree <laughs> with you that that episode lawyers. is we're a little off track here but I, I agree that that episode is not realistic i did enjoy it on the level of like the degree to which all philanthropy is is always sort of bound up with sort of cutthroat capitalism and you really like philanthropy always acts as a um as an alibi for for that and that you know it's okay for us to have this this uh, sort of wholly uncaring system as long as we give a little bit of money back now and right. then in these really high profile ways. I thought the episode captured that really well. And that um you know Anne is in the position of she doesn't really care because she she has a mission that is really poorly defined uh admittedly. Um I don't know. I like no, that I, about I, that episode. I I I hear what you're saying with that. That makes sense to me about just the philanthropy and any of these foundations are basically scams for rich company rich co- people or companies to choose to how to how they want to spend their money rather right. than pay taxes. And exactly. it's like weird control that only wealthy people get access to. It's bizarre. Yeah. Yeah. So I yeah, think the episode captures that, but it is silly. <laughs> yeah. Like rich people forming nonprofits only as tax shelters, basically. Right. Um, anyway, uh, <laughs> you guys want to do best, worst new character? Sure. All right. I'm going to start it off. Uh, to me, the worst was the mom who wouldn't pay, pay angels, invest angel investigations. Always pay your freelancers. Good riddance. I don't care that you got killed. You deserve it. <laughs> wow. Fuck you. Oh, <laughs> personal. I'm sure Mike feels the same way, right? I mean, I don't, you just move on. I don't, I don't say fuck you at the end. Oh, but I, (laughs) I plan revenge, but it was, that was a really funky. I was shocked when they didn't pay for their daughter, (laughs) like have this eyeball removed from her head. Like that's, that's insane. 
and they clearly like don't have good contracts at Angel Investigates. Like yeah. everything's very much like cool, we'll do it. And despite their like, you know, f- facade of professionalism, like they're really missing some basic contracts. Yeah. And that Cordelia as the office manager should maybe uh investigate that stuff. But somebody should take a business course. Yeah. Uh, Trev? Uh, oh yeah, I think the the senior heart or the Wolfman Hart senior partner is the worst, just because he's only there for a few seconds before getting killed. Yeah. Um, and the best, I think, the host finally getting a buddy episode, more screen time. Happy with yeah. that. The host is amazing. Mm-hmm. I'm always happy for more host. Uh, I I don't have a best character, but my worst character is all the teenagers in the teen shelter. She speaks true, G. None of those lines are delivered in a way that makes me want to believe anything they say. Uh, Best is the is Merle, the self-aware pushover demon who just like is always uh, always surprised. Apparently doesn't have a lock on his door. Can't lock it from these people that are coming in demanding information. And just this, is it just in blood money? I don't know. It, I felt like it was a couple episodes where oh, yeah. people just kind of walked in on him and yeah. then like made demands and like, just, he can't get a break. And I, I love this concept for a character, uh, for an informant that just like is constantly getting roped into shit. I don't, it was funny every time and especially since the actor who plays him is just brilliantly like kind of offended. He does like a really good job of being offended and bothered by this behavior. Uh, and then I, I'd like Doug Sanders, the motivational speaker as well. And I guess I got two best. He's just really a fun, weird character that I did not expect to see. And they really dug in and gave him a, a like significant little chunk of a scene. And that was a blast. And the actor played that really, really nailed it. Uh, worst. I mean, yeah, those teens. I feel like Anne is kind of underwhelming, and that's a shame. I want more from that character. And I think it's it's not necessarily the actress's fault. I think it's just like the way they wrote that character is really banal. And she doesn't have much to to stand on. It's just like she's trying to do good, trying to do her best in a weird, bad set of circumstances that life has given her. But like she's managing a lot of money. There's a lot going on in that situation. She has apparently no moral compass guiding her. Like there's some messy stuff they could have spent more time with, uh, but they don't really, and that's a bummer. All right. Uh, so let's do uh, our new our new segment, or our next segment, sorry. Uh, best zoom in and enhance opportunity. Uh, so I will let you guys roll with that. Uh, I figure this was for the tech folk. <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, uh, this episode is not in HD. None of Angel has been released in HD. So it's a little bit uh, rougher going trying to find fun stuff. But um, uh, Michael posted uh, on our document here the question of like what's going on in Anne's teen shelter. I don't know what Michael was referring to, but there is a moment where in the background, and I didn't get a screen cap of this, but there's a moment in the background where you see like in this really sad teen shelter, this poster that it's like a motivational poster and it just says goals, which uh, (laughs) as somebody who like, you know, from time to time works with um, teenagers in some pretty bad situations. uh, That to me really said something like this, like kind of really run down place, but there's this poster that's like, Nope, it's you, you, your, your decisions are what matters. Cause that is how you, that is how those situations always are. It's like, uh, you know, somebody who's dealing with really, really horrible um, unfairnesses in life 
But uh, the only thing that uh, you can tell them is, well, what about your responsibility? Are you setting goals? Are you, are you doing your part? Like that, uh, that, that rang very true to me. This, this sad post, this sad motivational poster on this sad wall that just says goals. Um. <laughs> yeah. And what is going else is going on in there? Cause they've got like board games, a foosball table, an arcade. It looks like like that. They have so much like in like cool couches, like hang zones. Like that feels like a rec center that apparently people live in. Uh, and then Could people it, do or don't get to choose who they live with. Like, it's just a confusing jam. Could it be that, like, um, since Anne knows vampires are real and knows there's other monsters and things that, like, steal teenagers and make them old, like, maybe the entire point is literally just to take kids off the street during the night. Like, that's all that the uh, teen shelter is, right? No, it's a, it's a, like a spawn point that generates teenagers to be eaten by demons. (laughs) (laughs) But let's give Anne some credit here because guess what? It's not just a business. It's also a home. So no one can enter uninvited, right? No vampires entering uninvited. Yep. She's like, she's one step ahead of Giles. Yeah. He just needs to put a cot with the magic box. (laughs) Yeah. He's got the room. He's got the room in the back, the training room. Yeah. Just put a cot, sleep there every couple of weeks. It's like the requirement. Teen shelter must be built near spawn point. Or <laughs> just when you build it. Like, you know, Giles headquarters is near the college, so it's fine. It's another spawn point. Uh, and then another fun zoom in and enhance uh, in Disharmony. Uh, we do get a really nice shot of all of the... Uh, materials and guidebooks and uh books on tape that go along with the vampire uh pyramid scheme and unfortunately you can't see most most of what's written on there but there is a poster uh with the slogan turning a blood bath into a blood bank (laughs) which is a good slogan for a vampire pyramid scheme turn two keep one thank you john that's lovely all right uh let's move on to the rant section and I'm going to start us off. Um, so uh, John mentioned this earlier um, about how this is episodic TV and it feels so different. Uh, but I just wanted to get to talk a little about the structure of this chunk of season because it, it really feels like um, all over the place in an interesting way. Because like Reprise, which is a mid-season episode, like not even strictly mid-season, it's like like three fourths it's it's built like a season finale but it isn't um and instead of like a full season arc there's all these mini arcs and they're multiple episodes long but um from the beginning of the end from the beginning of the season to the end i think uh it's i think more it's good more tv shows that are stuck with a 22 episode order uh should structure themselves this way there's like the darla arc the dark angel arc but not not angelist uh and then whatever's coming next. I just think that's really interesting. Um, also, one thing I'm appreciating about this show for the first time during this rewatch is the little jabs at office culture. Like, um, it reprised when Lila's like, lunch? You think this is the time for lunch? Uh, and Lindsay's like, you mean lunchtime? Like, I relate <laughs> to that. Because it's like, man, I get a lunch break. I am taking a lunch break. I don't care for this, like, office idea of, like, you know, work through your lunch to show you're a hard worker. It's like, no, no. I'm not being paid for a half hour to go to lunch. I'm going to lunch. I'm not going to like, I got nothing to prove there. And um, 
at the end when Angel is back, Angel is back in Angel Investigations that he's demoted to getting the coffee. Like, I dig that because I like I know whoever goes out for a coffee run is lowest totem, man. Um, so I found that that's just stuff I wouldn't have appreciated when I was watching this, um, uh, you know, in the dorms. So that's my rant. I uh, I myself probably uh, my rant is I, I would have been happier if there was a longer um, episode time between Angel um, firing Wesley Cordelia and Gunn and uh, and getting back together. Like I could have used one or two more episodes or or at least the re- I think the reprise episode for me is just so weak because nothing happens. Um, and so like if that was like a real episode where a lot of stuff happened, then I probably wouldn't have been I probably would be OK, but. I was craving one or two more episodes like separate, like Angel to really address some dark stuff and then the gang to really bond even more. But so that it is like a mini arc. There's the first arc of the episodes, the Darla. Uh, sorry, the first part of the season's the Darla arc. Then there's this redefinition arc or the Dark Angel arc. And then I, there's a second, there's a third arc, like there's a third part of the season. Um, but I wish we would have gotten more Dark Angel um, to me, to me, that would have been cool. Uh, oh, yeah. And can vampires grow oh. beards? That was my other question. Oh. <laughs> Wait, why do you think that they can't? <laughs> I'm not entirely sure. I just haven't seen a lot of bearded vampires in the show. And oh. I think I had a weird dream. And I'm just uh, like. Well, we oh, no, Doug had a mustache. Yes, Doug had a mustache. So that was it then. So they can. Uh, oh, oh, Angel grows a mustache in uh, oh, that flashbacks. Old flashbacks, yes. Okay. So they can. Or they, they can like only grow question. mustaches. <laughs> that's true. We've only seen oh, mustaches. Yeah. That's true. See? I it feel like that's a good question because it's like um, like a vampire heals, right? Yeah. So are they like stuck? Do they always heal back to like this one specific time when they were uh, turned, right? Mm. Can their hair grow? Which I think like, they can because Angel gets long hair. All that stuff, right? Yeah. I'm just like, we've never seen him with the five o'clock shadow. Ever. Maybe they can only, maybe they can choose to grow their hair or not. Like Data. Yeah. <laughs> Power he never uses. Oh, Star Trek, bing- there's a Buffy bingo for you. Star <laughs> Trek was mentioned. I can't wait to talk to John about the new Star Trek trailers that are out. Oh, man. <laughs> yeah, wait a little bit longer. <laughs> Soon. Okay, let's uh, move on to Mike's rant. I really enjoyed this uh, this sequence of episodes for season two of Angel. This is a fun show to watch. I'm completely convinced that uh, it's it deserves to exist as a show. <laughs> uh, season two is a blast. It's very weird. It's very different. I love the friendships, the team ups. The team ups in this sequence have been the best. Angel and Host together. Oh, that's a real fun combination. It's odd, and I like how it mirrors. You know, kind of the situation at angel investigations minus angel where you know the host is kind of this great has this interesting power where you know he can watch people of course they're singing and then he gets like some energy from that and is able to like uh, you know figure out what might happen next or make predictions it's very similar of course to cordelia's power you know where she you know like psychically because uh doyle right like she died and she has this power where she like sees things and like that's interesting. And I could totally see an angel host show happening. And like, I'm sad that it didn't, I think when Travis is talking about their, them being apart longer, I agree. Cause I would like to see angel host team ups longer. Cause it was really fun. 
And like the Wesley and Gunn relationship, that team up is amazing and fun. And it just goes to such weird, dark places. Uh, I mean, I, I think that exploration in the Thin Dead Line only happens with Gunn as a character. And then Wesley getting shot, like getting the con- the consequence to that is is just, that's amazing. And they play out Wesley with, in a wheelchair for quite a few episodes. And I really love that. Oh, yeah. Sorry to interrupt. One thing we didn't mention that I love is when Virginia breaks up with him, her her interpretation of like monsters and ghouls and stuff I could deal with. Guns are too real. Like, I totally agree with Virginia. <laughs> Virginia's <laughs> read there. Guns too real. Gives me the spooks. Bye. Yeah, I mean, I just like Wesley coming into his own and finding himself. Mm-hmm. And Cordelia also speaks to finding herself, you know, when she's talking to uh, Cord- Harmony in Disharmony, just about like the where she is in her life and how different they are from high school and how Harmony's kind of the same, right? But Cordelia's really moved on and kind of found herself, which is, it's awesome to have that sequence and it feels really genuine with the characters to kind of found themselves, especially without Angel kind of leading. I really like that. It's yeah. a real powerful sequence of episodes. Uh, I guess the one we haven't talked about, so I'll just do my take on it. I think uh, Kate uh, has a really amazing scene that I want to kind of rave about, which is the scene where she decides to kill herself with uh, like overdosing. Is like that sequence, which is almost completely silent. Uh, Travis and I watched uh, uh, like a second time when black and white because it's just like. <laughs> It's got a really neat uh, short film kind of uh, short film vibe and like this really strong emotional power. That whole scene was surprising to me. I didn't expect her to take her own life after losing her cop identity and getting totally unjustly fired by very corrupt cops that don't want people investigating supernatural shit. (laughs) But like that, that was a really strong scene. And then uh, I'm glad of course that Kate's gets rescued and you know, her future is totally uncertain. I, I have some predictions about Kate. But uh, that scene was really good and really crazy. Um, yeah, that's. Uh, I think that's it for my rant. I said much about already too much about the teen shelter, and I'm glad that everyone was on board with those complaints. Uh, so I'll, I'll, I can move on now safely. <laughs> uh, I uh, wanted to yeah. use uh, my rant to talk about. Uh, the thin deadline a little just a little more we've talked about it quite a bit um but there's this really amazing moment in it where uh you know uh gun and his buddy have set out to sort of uh create like a their own rodney king tape of like it's very explicit like we're gonna catch cops in the act of racist violence and i th- which is like it's also interesting too because obviously the conversation about like the connection between police violence and video cameras has continued to evolve since then and so that was interesting yeah. um but this moment where uh, they get that set up and they're like their sort of attitude of like, obviously they're going to harass us. We're going to be the ones walking while black like that. That's it didn't occur to Wesley, but it was obvious to them. That sense of what's obvious to one person is not obvious to another uh, was interesting. But then when it happens and then Wesley steps in and he's he he is so assured in that moment of his privilege. He steps in and he's like, oh, no, officer, these are my friends. <laughs> <laughs> and he's so sure. And then he gets he gets shot anyway. And that um, in this moment, uh, you know, his uh, his privilege as a white guy doesn't work. Right. And I think what like just that what it um, sort of like made me think about is that if the cops had only, you know, beaten up gun and his friend, that that would not have been a supernatural show, that that would have been just 
reality. And what actually makes it a horror show is the fact that they also shoot Wesley. Um, and the sort of the degree to which like when you like like me, when you sort of come from a position of privilege, what's actually horrifying is not the racist cop monster. What's horrifying is a racially blind cop monster who visits the same violence on everybody the same. And it's actually sort of in a weird, twisted way. It's a quality that's scary because if you're coming from Wesley's point of view or from my point of view, being treated the same as other people who are already being treated worse than you is actually what's horrifying. And so the, 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 the zombie cop monsters aren't explicitly racist. They actually sort of like attack everybody the same. They're just monsters. Um, mm-hmm. And like, that's actually what's sort of really terrifying about it in a way, or yeah. at least, or that's at least like, if, if not what's scary about it, cause it's not that scary. It's pretty silly, but like, that's what differentiates it from reality. Yeah. That's a good read that it's like, it's not that they're zombies. It's like, yeah. Yeah, because the cops can continue to do whatever they want to Gun and his friends, right? Like, right. There'd be no. It would be continuing to this day, to this very day. There'd still be zombie cops on that street. Yeah. Right. Um, but, but crime would be down. Yeah. <laughs> Report, down. Reports to of some. crime would be down. Because <laughs> who would call the police? Yeah. Um, we need for-profit prisons and for-profit <laughs> cops, and we'll solve all these problems. Omnicorp. <laughs> That's how you get a RoboCop. Uh, Do you want RoboCop? This is how you get RoboCop. <laughs> and believe me, they're going to be a lot more like Ed 209 than they are Murphy. <laughs> uh, and I just wanted to, to add on to that. Uh, the thing I, I, I just thought of while we were talking about this was like that Kate is fired because of the thin deadline. Because in the end, after the um, captain of the police precinct who's been making zombies and stuff gets stopped by Angel, he can still retaliate by like filing a formal complaint against Kate. Cause like at the end, the system is still on their on his side over anybody else's, right? Which is like deep levels of fucked up. Um and I feel like the show almost addresses that accidentally, but it's like that's it's like that's the real terror, right? Is like yeah. the system. Yeah, and then when they kind of sit her down and they're writing the story, their story of events, it's just so surreal. Like, how could they possibly interpret that? And also, like, Kate is doing good things. Yeah. <laughs> but their system isn't, dis- you know, it's designed to keep them in power, keep them in positions, not to, like, stop crime. Yeah, definitely. 100%. All right. Uh, does anyone else feel more rants coming on? <laughs> <laughs> It's left my body. The rant is left. <laughs> All right, let's move on to uh, recommendations. Recommendations. Um, so for the thin deadline, I am recommending the movie Maniac Cop, which is about a zombie cop who is killing people. And like the tr- that is the that's the tr- the t- teaser is like there's a murderer on the street of L.A. or whatever, and he wears a badge. <laughs> Um, and it stars a young Bruce Campbell and um, an old Tom Atkins from Halloween 3. Um, it's good. It's a good, fucked up, weird movie. It's directed by William Lustig, who also directed uh, the movie Maniac. Um, and I got to meet him at a con one time and we had a drink together. And it was super fun. Hmm. Um, he's a cool guy. Uh, so that's my big wreck. 
Um, I'm also, I think, I feel like we haven't done this before. Recommend Primer as a time travel movie for happy anniversary. <laughs> I just, this is more just as a joke, but the anime One Punch Man um, for reprise for Angel's ability to one punch the big, the big bad. Uh, if you haven't seen One Punch, punch Man, it's like this guy is trained so much that the world is boring now because he's a superhero who can one punch everybody. <laughs> uh, right, let's hear it for Primer, party. though. Oh yeah, uh, my. Uh, sorry, John. Do you want to talk about Primer a little? I it's just, actually it's been just a long time. Since like I've the seen best it. time travel movie that's ever been made, uh, and I think like Happy Anniversary is about um, you know sort of very intelligent scientists who are morally completely bankrupt, uh, although maybe in a more self aware way. In the case of Primer, uh, just a great movie. If, if anybody, if anybody has still hasn't seen Primer, it's the best time travel movie maybe ever made, except for Back to the Future. Awesome. Thank you. Uh, let's move on to predictions. Virgin predictions. Okay. Predictions. Uh, Michael, let's uh, take a look at your uh, current standing. Michael, you're currently are at an overall accuracy of 64.77%. Uh, so let's take a look at past predictions that may or may not have come true. Back, way back, in Buffy Season 3, Episode 17, Michael, you predicted that Angel will pretend to become jealous again, but to be funny. I think he does this to Darla. He pranks Darla with becoming Angelus. Is he trying to be funny, though? <laughs> uh, he's being a dick, which to some people is the same thing, right? <laughs> I don't think we can confirm this. I really wish we could, though. It's it's a close. It's a close call. Like, the whole, like, <laughs> He's, like, doing the whole becoming Angelus thing again, you know? Yes, but it's not to be funny. In the Buffy Season 4 recap, Michael, you predicted that Angel will appear in Buffy season five, which this isn't, we're not talking about Buffy, but uh, we, we neglected to uh, give you this one uh, the last episode. So you're going to get it a little late here. Michael, in Angel season one, part two, so the end of the previous season, you predicted that we will learn that Wesley doesn't have a place to live. <laughs> and uh, is that confirmed here? I think it's denied. We see his apartment, right? Oh, that's right. We see his apartment. Is that okay. his apartment though? The one that gets shotgunned yeah. up and stuff, yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. Ah, very well. Okay, so that and he is knows denied. where he knows exactly where his shotgun is and stuff. Yeah, yeah, he does have a place to live. <laughs> okay, Angel season two, part one. So just the earlier part of this season, Michael, you predicted that Angel and the gang will get back together, which they have. So that gives us Such all a safe prediction. Warm and fuzzy feelings. It that was that was definitely a safe prediction, and I believe that that is all we have to discuss. So I feel like you also came close with like you were like Angel will acquire Excalibur. Angel will get a sword from Lady in the Lake. If you had just made it more generic, like Angel will get like a medieval super weapon, that gauntlet would have counted. You know, you got too specific. So since we're only talking about your overall accuracy, Michael, this is gonna this is gonna uh, excite you. Uh, your Overall accuracy has gone from a 64.77 to a 64.79. I'm, I'm supposed to be excited. I, I am a little excited. 
You're doing good, man. Uh, okay, so I have new predictions. Um, and how should we, should I do this with a super? Or yeah, I think I think you should make it super. And because there's so, you know, this is a big chunk of episodes. I'm making slightly more predictions for Angel. Uh, so I believe Cordelia will become a demon temporarily. Now, of course, I should have predicted that she's going to get pregnant by a demon again, like another demon pregnancy. But I think this show likes the Cordelia body horror, and it's kind of a fun thing to play with. So I think her becoming a demon temporarily will be awesome. Uh, I think Wesley's going to get a new girlfriend. I think Wesley, Wesley needs that kind of stability in his life. I mean, he's kind of found himself, but he's going to need a girlfriend that can handle this craziness that he's living in. So I don't know what she's going to be like. Uh, I don't want to say she's not human, but I'll say it. Willie will get it. Willie. <laughs> Wesley will get a new. Uh, in, uh, the description. Okay. So, you know, you know what I want to say is he's going to get a demon girlfriend, but I know that this co- council has uh, <laughs> very specific definitions of demon. So can I say, I should just say new girlfriend, but I want it to be more fun. So I'm going to say new non-human girlfriend. Is that, does that work for you? Now, if that person is a human who has some demonic powers, I want them to be a demon. So this is, this will get into our, like, is faith a monster argument again? Um, which is fine with me. I'm fine I mean, with getting into arguments. Whoever's <laughs> going to be with Wesley now has to be special in some way. Like he's been rejected by human women who can't handle how dangerous his life is. And then I want to put in parentheses, demon, supernatural power, etc. So there's some like kind of attempt at a definition. Uh, I think Darla will be killed by Angel. I think you've already predicted that. Oh, you have? I guess I'm doubling down. Right? Mike, you predicted that. You have in the past predicted. Angel will kill Darla again. Ah, Okay. There we go. All right. Then I don't have to predict that. All right. I always think it. Uh, Angel is not going to get laid again. I think it's too dangerous for Angel to have sex. We got to stop worrying about that. Um. I don't think the host and angel will team up again. I'm sad about this prediction. I think they should. I think they should form a detective agency together, but the host and the angel will not team up again. Kate will join angel investigations. She's going to join, but like for an episode, she's going to join angel investigations. Like it's going to be like considered a part of the team, but ultimately I think she's going to become a PI, do her own thing, but uh, angel, she'll join. Uh, I think Lindsay's going to kill Morgan, right? They have to. There's, they have to have a fight. And apparently the show loves Lindsay. <laughs> so, uh, Angel's going to travel through time. I know we have Angel flashbacks, but I mean, he'll actually travel through time. I mean, Angel is always traveling through time from one moment into the next, as are we all. Okay, so well then, then I already got this. I said <laughs> it. As soon as I said it, it was confirmed. Okay, Angel will travel through a... Angel will use a time machine. <laughs> Dude, hold on. Just think about the show for a second. No, it'll be time magic, obviously. Angel will travel time using magic. And put star using magic or a magical machine. Or a <laughs> I don't like any of these predictions. And uh, Harmony is going to team up with Darla. That's my super prediction. Ooh. And, uh, Harmony was such a good minion as stated earlier. She would make a great Darla minion. I think she would really do well under like Darla's thumb. Yeah. Mm-hmm. 
It would be like the natural Cordelia Harmony relationship back together. All right. Well, guys, I think we did it. I think that's the show. Um, hey, so I've been Dennis St. John. Uh, one of the things I've been working on that I can talk about now is uh, a cartoon called Snoopy in Space. Uh, it's an animated series coming to Apple TV Plus on November 1st. So by the time this episode airs, it'll have already aired. Uh, and you can find me on Twitter and Instagram at um, at Dennis Comics. That's at symbol D-E-N-I-S-C-O-M-I-X. Uh, my mini comic, Dennis St. John's Monster Cl- Club Comics, uh, is available on DennisComics.com, along with uh, my Buffy fanzine, Monster Smoke Shots, and uh, The Land of Many Monsters and Many More Monster Tales. Um, so, uh, yeah, and you can join my Patreon for comics as they're done and art as it's done. All right. Well, uh, thank you one and all for listening and talking to us at Buffy Virgin. Uh, you can visit our website, BuffyVirgin.com, for links to blog, YouTube, Twitter, and Instagram. Uh, reach out. We love to hear from you. And don't forget to rate and review us on the podcast listener of your choice. And we'll see you in hell. <laughs>